Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Estate Agents Podcast and I'm joined as ever by my faithful colleague Stephen Brown. Good morning Stephen. Good morning, how are we doing? Really well and um, a transatlantic Luke today who uh, joins us all the way from Melbourne. Of course he's um, about to I I believe meet uh, Rick Rushton um, later today or tomorrow and uh, of course Luke you're attending the AREC 2019 conference. How's it going so far? Yeah, very good, very good. Um, so meeting with Rick tomorrow, and um, it's half past five Tuesday evening for me. Uh, so meeting with Rick tomorrow morning about 11, um, after some scripts and dialogue training in the morning with Hodges uh, Real Estate. So see how that goes, and I'll re- be reporting that uh, on our Facebook page as well. Fantastic. And uh, no stranger to Rick Rushton is today's guest. In fact, it's through Rick that um, we've become acquainted. So we're incredibly grateful for that. Today's guest, Paul McGee, the sumo guy. Good morning, Paul. Good morning. How are you guys? We're great. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. Very grateful for your time. So Paul, uh, better known as the sumo guy. Explain sumo. Yeah, I mean, sumo, I was, I was running a training course in Glasgow in 2002 on coaching and counselling skills. And I don't even know if it was a man or a woman. I'm guessing it was a man, but I could be wrong. Suddenly said, and I never knew how the impact of this conversation would be. He went, if all else fails, tell them to sumo. And I went, what does that mean? He went, shut up and move on. And um, that, that's, that's lost a lot of your Scottish audience. I do apologise. Um, so... And and it was like, it was just a catchphrase, but it evolved and I had a number of sort of like sumo, well, I guess they weren't sumo ideas at the time, but I had a number of ideas and principles and sumo evolved into a brand that described, I guess, my kind of outlook and philosophy on life, on how to get the best out of yourself, get the best out of others and um, get the best out of life. Since um, we've been doing work, and I'll mention this maybe later on with schools, schools love the ideas, but they were a little bit uncomfortable with shut up, move on you know um little george comes home and says i'm learning about sumo and the parents go what's that he goes shut up move on wasn't maybe giving us quite uh, the reach and the impact we wanted in the positive way so we also now refer to sumo as stop understand move on and as a result we're still doing loads of word in work um work in education brilliant um i love to ask a question how did a bank clerk go um, from being a bank clerk to an international keynote speaker, incredibly motivational. Well, you know, George Clooney once said, and you may think flipping out, I'm a bit arrogant there, I straight away bring George Clooney into the conversation. But George Clooney apparently once said it it took him 23 years to become an overnight success. And one of his earlier films was called Revenge of the Killer Tomato. And (laughs) and I think for me, what I've learned is, yeah, I was a bank clerk. I absolutely hated it. It was just like the worst job on the planet for both them and for me. I, I left, I went to university and I started to study something which really has fascinated me ever since. And that is psychology and the whole thing around human behavior. I actually, in a sense, studied at university the psychology of failure because I, I tra- my degree incorporated uh, training to become a probation officer. So I spent a lot of time in the 80s, I guess, looking at what made people not successful and dysfunctional. Um, and it was only after I graduated that I, I started to develop an interest in the reverse of that, which is, well, what makes people successful? The big turning point for me, though, was having secured a place as a Unilever grand- graduate management trainee 
with this big multinational specializing in HR. After 12 months, I actually lost my job through ill health. I became ill with an illness called ME, myalgic encephalomyelitis, yuppie flu, or I think some parts of the world call it chronic fatigue syndrome. So was ill for three years. After three years of really struggling with this illness, I felt I was well enough to maybe get a part-time job. Couldn't even get a part-time job. No one had hired me because I couldn't pass a medical. So it was actually in 1991, I hired myself. I was flipping amazing at the interview, standout candidate. And I started to do training courses. And then from that, I started to write some books. And then I started to be asked, will you speak at a conference? Will you do a seminar? And it's all evolved since then, really. And, and one of the big turning points for me in my life, actually, in my work in Australia, was when I actually spoke at the ARIC conference around about 2008, I think, when Stephen Covey was still was on the schedule. And it was then that I met Rick Rushton as well. And Rick and I have been great friends ever since. Yeah. That's a hell of a mindset, Paul. I mean, explain to us, you're, you're probably at the, you know, the depths of, of how somebody could feel um, struggling with, with ME, um, in your own words, unemployable. Um, how do you pick yourself up? Because estate agency, there's challenges in the market at the moment. And I think that you know, certainly from a, from a mental health point of view, we, we can all have down days, down weeks. How, how does one um, recover from that? I think it's by not taking a very passive, fatalistic approach to life. I think it is, I mean, we talk about, oh, well, what's our physical diet and what are you going to eat today? But what's your mental diet going to be? So um, I suppose when I was ill, one, the support of friends was hugely helpful. Um, secondly, just setting myself little goals. So, all right, uh, your listeners might not sell a property today, but they might get a listing. They might uh, just have an encouraging conversation with someone. Someone might have sold their property and they get a nice thank you note or a little small gift. And you always feel that every single day you are doing something little that takes you further towards your goal. And for me, I mean, I had a walking stick at one stage. It was a question of, can I walk to the local news agent um, without the walking stick today? And, and sometimes I could and sometimes I couldn't. But it was like just trying to gather your small wins. Back in the early 90s, I mean, there was no internet. There was no podcasts. There was, it was, but I listened to um, cassette tapes. And it's like, so what's your mental diet? You know, put your own oxygen mask on first before helping others is a phrase I use quite a lot. And like this morning, um, you mentioned Rick and his podcast, Voices of Value. I mean, I've gone for an hour's walk, um, get out into the countryside, get the heart going, and I'm listening to podcasts. And I need on a daily basis to get some kind of input because I struggle still if I don't eat food, I can have a, it can make me feel unwell. Um, and I also think maybe people struggle without realizing it. If they don't get their daily dose of inspiration, whether that's a, a five minute read of a book or some exercise or just listening to a podcast or some audio book. So it's small wins and it's recognizing your mental diet is as crucial as your physical diet. That's great. Thank you for that. So we'd love to discuss your book, Paul, um, because the property market's certainly very challenging at the moment. Um, how can agents face uh, this challenging market? How can they survive and thrive in this challenging market? Well, I mean, you guys know your market in some respects far better than I do. But I, I have I've tried to sell my, my property uh, previously in a recession. 
And, and what's really interesting is people can always blame outside influences for how they're doing as a business. Now, the reality is both in the UK and I know in Australia, maybe other parts of the world, the, the market is challenging, which in some respects means maybe those that aren't as committed to success start to leave. So the competition maybe becomes smaller. But I think it's just a question of recognizing, OK, sometimes reality rules, this is the case. But rather than say my success is purely in the hands of the market, what am I doing to influence and improve the situation? I mean, when we were in a recession, I remember trying to sell my house and um, I had estate agents not return my calls. I had people who then came to my property and who didn't engage me or really inquire as to um, what were the reasons why I was wanting to sell my property. They, they were more bothered about properties than about people. And I think one thing you need to understand is you're not just you're not just selling properties. You're dealing with humans. So I'm not going to say there's a magic wand, but I'm going to say this. Sometimes we've got to say, OK, it is tough, but. It, it, what what do I do on a daily basis that sort of helps improve the situation to some degree? And, you know, when things will turn as they invariably do, and as they inevitably will, you're in a better place to actually reap the rewards of your, your the, the, the reputation you've developed in the tough times, because anyone can develop a great reputation in the good times. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, I love the way you talk about these small wins. And I know, obviously, I think you've done some work with Man City as well. That's um, right. Yeah. Um, and very much so about I'm very into the marginal gains and the tiny impacts and remarkable changes. Um, what suggestions can you come up with to our listeners just to, um, you know, just just for these little wins you talk about every day? Well, I mean, it's quite interesting. When I started working with Manchester City in 2010, there was a little bit of scepticism at the time about bringing me on board. And at the time, I mean, they now have a psychology department, but at the time they didn't. And the guy that brought me in said, you know, he tried to convince people. And he said, look, the reality is Paul could do something with one player that just leads to that player on that day performing a bit better. We might gain a, a draw when we could have lost or get a win when we could have drawn. And he said, you know, we might win the title by just one point. And the reality is that Paul, along with all the other things that we do, could contribute to that extra point. When Manchester City actually won the title, um, they didn't win it by a single point. They won it on goal difference from Manchester United. So this whole point about these small steps, marginal gains, I think are important. So, okay, it doesn't matter what the market's doing out there. What are you doing to feed your mind, first of all? What are your top three actions that you want to take that particular day? Um, when I was selling my house, what I found interesting as well is that once the estate agent had got a buyer, I never seemed to hear from the estate agent ever again. There was no kind of like looking after me until the actual sale had been completed. So I guess you sometimes got to brainstorm and say, okay, if we think that we're in the human, we're, we're dealing with humans, not just selling properties, what can we be doing to create a, an exceptional reputation as a brand? I mean, the car sector has been, been affected at times through recession and challenging times, but I've got a friend who runs a successful car dealership in Chester, um, a Skoda, a Lexus and a Mazda dealership. And the way he treats his customers and the loyalty that he gets from them um, is phenomenal. And I think it's interesting. I have never, I, 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 a friend of mine sold their property 
And she said, you know what's really brilliant? Was when I, the first day I was in my new property, the estate agent helped me sell it, came round to my house, just gave me a little card, small bunch, a bunch of flowers and went, it's been gr- brilliant being able to serve you. Um, and, you know, I wish you years of happiness in your property. Now, the thing is, she'd still talk about that story. And, and I think we just need to understand people are irrational and people are emotional. And if we can do certain things to make what we do for people sticky and memorable and connect not just with the, okay, here's the data, here's the facts, here's the figures, but in some way connect emotionally with them. They are certain things that I think can help, but I'm not going to spoon feed you, feed you answers because you're not my sector and I'm happy to hold my hands up. But I think it's a question of don't ignore the basics and let's get to together and go okay what are some of those small things that we can do that yeah it doesn't suddenly magically turn things around you know in in the space of a month but we know that when the when times do improve we know we've got that reputation and that quality of brand that people want to deal with luke um yeah no definitely and and i can take from that today having uh been with buxton uh in bentley um just outside Melbourne um, meeting with Chris Hassel and and one of the topics that came up in their sales meeting was um, he arranges for fresh flowers to be delivered uh, prior uh, on a Friday prior to the open home taking place so that when buyers walk in on that Saturday the, their first impression they walk through that house and they see this beautiful arrangement of fresh flowers and, and one of the comments around the, the boardroom was but you're spending $18,000 on, on fresh flowers a year. He said, yeah, but if those eight, if that 18, I don't mind spending $36,000 on, on flowers. If that means that that customer is getting an exceptional service, they're going to get an exceptional result. That buyer is going to get a great impression. That buyer is going to pay uh, an extra $1,000, $10,000 because all of these little one percenters that we're doing throughout the process of marketing a home and serving the customer is going to help the overall uh, win for us, the customer, and also the company. So, and just just from that visit today, it, it is about what what are we doing with those one percenters to to eke that extra extra performance and service delivery for the client. I, th- I think I mean that's that's a, a cracking example, Luke. I think for me, it's also about creating that kind of culture within your business uh, that everybody is mad, everyone makes a difference. Because I could be wooed by the man or the woman that comes round to my property and and tells me what they think they can do to help me. But if I then ring your office um, and people don't either answer the phone for a while or don't return a call or there's a lack of engagement or enthusiasm then when when i'm interacting that kind of like it's like we're all mad we all make a difference and a phrase that i've come across when i've been working in australia um which lots of organizations now in the uk in different sectors need to kind of embrace is that we're all directors of first impressions that's not just the, the job title of a receptionist it's the job title of everybody so for me customer service isn't just something you deliver because you might be um you know actually face to face with the customer either you're serving the customer or you're serving someone who is serving the customer so everybody's mad let's create that culture and and i think that all contributes to the success of your business how how would you go about creating that culture okay well in many ways i think it's it's all about the leader um and 
you know, that's a, that's a short question that if we had longer, you wanted to hire me for a day, we could go into more detail. But I think it is a question of saying, to, you know, the, it starts with the leader. Um, you know, what do I, you know, if I'm not putting my own oxygen mask on first, if I'm not inspired, how can I inspire other people? And when we talk about those little small actions that we take, you know, I find it interesting how many people, no one comes to work ever thinking, I can't wait to feel undervalued and underappreciated today. But, you know, when was the last time sometimes we may be um, sent a little card to one of our team or maybe bought them a bunch of flowers or just gave them some thanks. You know, when some, I talk to some people go, how do you know you're doing a good job? Well, I've not had a rollicking recently. So I suppose good news, no news is good news. You know, it's culture has got to be, I think, led and influenced by the leader. 62% of uh, people in the US, when asked the question, what would you rather have, a pay rise or a new boss? 62% said, give me a new boss. So I think we need to appreciate um, how important um, our own leadership style is with, with our people to help create that kind of positive culture. I think that's great, Paul. Um, it, I, I'm not an employer, I'm an employee. I run um, an office um, and we, we have a thankfully very successful office um, in Norfolk. And um, one of the things I do is uh, treat the team to Fat Friday. So if we've had a, a great week or a great month, um, I take my little daughter to school on a Friday because my wife works and I stop off at the uh, Greasy Spoon and I get bacon butties. And, and it's just those little things, they go down a long way. They, they are. And I think we can, I think sometimes we're looking for this magic bullet, this really sort of like complex idea. And actually sometimes it's like, look, quit rejecting common sense, quit overlooking the basics. Because as I said to you before, we're not just selling properties, we're dealing with humans. And guess what? We're dealing with humans with all their emotional needs who are part of our team as well. And I, I am staggered because obviously I spend most of my time like speaking at events and at conferences. And, and the look on people's faces when they arrive and there is tea and coffee and arrival and maybe there is some fruit or a bacon butty. It's like, God, that doesn't take a lot, does it? It's like when I've been at these exhibitions and you've got people who just got a small uh, box of sweets available and people are kind of like, what are the sweets? I have these little sumo pin badges. They probably cost me about 50p. Um, but, you know, delegates sometimes come up to me because people can win them and other people go, what can I do to get a little pin badge? And it's like, you know, maybe we're all children, just in bigger bodies at times. Let's not, let's not forget that. So let's bring in some fun and let's realize those little simple things can make a big difference. Okay, so we talk about leaders. What's the best way to communicate with influence and impact? Um, I mean, I wrote a book on the whole uh, subject, but if I was to look at um, one thing that I think is really important is, um, I would say, that the more experienced a presenter and communicator you are, the more in danger you are of winging it and just making it up as you go along. And so I would still always say that anytime you're thinking about how you're going to communicate with other people, um, there are three things I think are important in terms of your preparation. I call it KFD. Okay. What is the key? The K is what do I need my people to know here? What is really crucial that they need to know? Why is that important? And let's not drown them in detail and have a three hour meeting where they're all looking for sort of like their own oxygen mask to carry on living, you know, break things up regularly, but what do you want people to know and, and why should they care about what you want them to know? So that's the kind of like the K the F is a really important one. And that is how do you want people to feel? 
Do you want to feel um, that you're listening to them, that, they, that they're inspired, that they're motivated, that they're challenged? And therefore, you know, what begin with the end in mind. At the end of this meeting, at the end of this presentation, how do I want people to feel? Um, and then the D is what do you want them to do? Because I think a lot of motivational speakers can give people some knowledge, um, can play on the heartstrings, and it's wonderful and it's inspiring and it's amazing how people climb Everest and lose three of their fingers through frostbite. And those are inspirational stories, fantastic. Right, but now what do you want me to do? You see, inspiration is important, but you know, life is not just about you being inspired, it's about you taking action. So what do you want people to know? Yes, how do you want them to feel? But what are we going to actually do now? Let's not just have platitudes, but let's agree on the specific actions we need to take in order to make a difference. It's amazing how many people go to a conference or go to um, motivational speakers. I think um, statistic released recently, 67% or two thirds of people that attend a conference, uh, write all the notes, scribble them up furiously, pages and pages, or take the dictations and then get back to the office and pop them in the top drawer. Um, oh, 100%. And I, and I think also people need to be challenged that, you know, life is not about, but then you could go, you could, you, but this would go back to the culture question, because if you've got some of your staff who've been to a conference or if you're, you know, delegates who are at ARIC, um, look, when, when they get back down, when they get back to the office, one of the first things leaders going to do is, okay, so what's your first key action you're going to take? Not was the conference good? Did you learn much? You know, who did you network with? How was the food? Did you enjoy the hotel? It's, it's got to be a question also of, okay, all those things are nice, but okay, so let's get together in our, in our daily meetings that we might well have. What, what's the key action you're going to take today? What's the big thing you're going to do as a result of having attended that conference or that event? So managers have to challenge people because I think some people go to these events, as you say, take the notes and think, well, I've, I've, done, I've done my stuff. You know, it's a, it's a bit like um, reading a menu and going, I know all that's on the menu. I'm really knowledgeable. Yeah, but you haven't ordered the food and flipping tasted it, have you? You've got some knowledge, but you've not done anything with that knowledge. Very true. I can answer what I'm going to do today, Paul. Uh, I've got about 200 gigabytes of uh, Dropbox files from Luke, who's uh, met inspirational <laughs> agents. So uh, I shall be downloading those and plowing my way through to implement over the coming two or three weeks. Great stuff. Yeah, and um, I, I completely agree with what you're saying there, Paul, because one of the things that I've been doing as I go on my tour of these agents is I've got pages and pages of notes, but then I've got a separate uh, section of the key points that I immediately want to implement an action uh, when I get back. And some of those things we've already started uh, or I've already started working on. Um, that that, I, that I've been learning and that's one of the things and I've been guilty of it in the past and I think we all have where you go along to these conferences is a great day out but you, you get back and then you get back into the swing of normal life and all of a sudden you've not used any of that learning at all so again through through that process it's right okay well this is what we now need to do this is what we need to bring into the business that's that can now benefit the business otherwise what's the point in going to these things yeah, I mean, it, it's a nice jolly and that can be that can still have its benefits to a degree, can lift morale and improve spirits. But how about we have the nice jolly and also we take some specific actions as well. And they can be really small things. I mean, sometimes there is huge stuff we've got to do, but sometimes it's got to be no. It's just that small, those small things that can make big difference over time. Um, in the book, you talk about hippo moments. 
Yeah, it's quite a left field thing for um, maybe a, a guy who's hired as a motivational speaker often to talk about. But what do we do in what do the hippos do in mud? Sometimes they wallow. And, and I think what we have is an unrealistic expectation of ourselves and others that particularly when we're in sales, we'll always be upbeat. We'll always be positive. You know, I'm a tiger. I'm a tiger kind of thing. And I'm amazing. And, yeah, we're going to be successful. And actually, sometimes it's like, can we just get real at times? You know, you lost that you, you didn't win the business. Uh, the sale fell through. Things happen in life. People don't get promoted. They don't get that new job. They get down to the last two. They didn't get it. They're in a relationship. They thought it was going somewhere. Now it's going nowhere. And, and part of what I say in sumo is sumo isn't just a catchphrase. It's a philosophy. And, and sometimes we just need to say, I'm just going to have a little bit of a wallow here. I'm going to digest my disappointment. I'm, I'm going to give myself permission to go, you know, it's okay. It's not always feel okay. Maybe I feel mad, bad, or sad about something. And that is legitimate. That is a bit of hippo time or a hippo moment. But the second point is crucial. Allow yourself to have it. Allow other people to have it. But remember, hippo time is okay, but it's temporary. You know, it's part of your journey. It's not meant to be your destination. And I think the challenge is that some people end up getting a bit stuck in the mud. And, and the time when you need to sort of write, what's my mental diet going to be this evening? What am I going to read? What podcast am I going to listen to that will lift me? Sometimes when you're in your hippo time, you decide to wallow and then, you know, listen, listen to sad songs and, and, and talk to, to other people who are mood hoovers who suck the life out of you. And, and it drags you down even further. So give yourself permission to recognize this is how I'm feeling. It's okay, but it's temporary. So allow yourself a bit of hippo time. I love that. And it resonates with me, uh, certainly uh, over the last few weeks. And uh, Stephen and Luke, you've both been um, instrumental in changing that mindset. And I thank you both. Um, one thing I'd, I'd, I'd like to talk about, if we can, Paul, before we close, um, something that's dear to us um, all is uh, our children. Luke's uh, recent father, Stephen's got three cracking kids and I've got two beautiful girls. And I understand that you're doing uh, something that we alluded to earlier with the schools, the Sumo for Schools Foundation. Could you just explain to our listeners what, what that is and, and what's your why? why? Why are you doing it? Um, I, without having to go into a lot of detail, I, I had an incredibly dysfunctional uh, childhood, uh, ran away from home at the age of 10. And you don't run away from home at the age of 10 unless you've got some serious stuff going on in your life. So as I kind of got into the world of per personal development in my 20s, um, and I've consumed it on a regular basis ever since. I remember thinking to myself a few years ago, I wish I'd known this when I was younger. You know, part of life is not just about learning new stuff. It's about unlearning old stuff that's holding you back and hand-me-down beliefs from other people that aren't always helping you. So I think from my own kind of like painful experience as a kid growing up and now recognizing some of the challenges that, and pressures that children are on now, in now, experiencing i just wanted to make sumo which i originally wrote as a book aimed at adults and think how can we make that accessible for children and so um actually probably nearly 10 years ago i hired a youth worker a secondary school teacher and a primary school teacher and they helped me develop the material for young people and as time's gone on we've it's been used in a variety of schools but more recently i've um I've actually collaborated with an educational company in the Midlands called Squirrel Learning, and they've just helped me to develop um, the Sumo for Schools Foundation. So that's a, a not-for-profit 
um, organization. So every, any kind of money we make goes straight back into developing further resources for young people. So at the moment, our focus has been particularly on primary school children, um, but we have some material for secondary school uh, as well. And the Sumo for Schools dot com website and that's sumo and then the number four um for schools.com is where people can access a lot of resources and find out more about the why behind it but also in a very cost effective way hopefully just access some materials um that can be helpful for children really living in the days that we live in now that's uh, absolutely incredible. And um, I belong to a group called Vistage. I don't know if you've ever come across I, them. I've worked with them indeed, Stephen, yes. Yeah, so I went there for about 10 years and I think it totally transformed me and the way yep. my thinking got me out of my comfort zone. Um, and I've always said that I would love to do something exactly what you're doing with the foundation. So I think it's absolutely incredible. So I, had, I wish I had that um, you know, when I was doing my O levels, A levels, um, yeah. and even younger. So I think it's absolutely incredible um, what you're doing. So do you know? Um, do you know what? As a story that will sorry to interrupt that will always um, uh, stand out for me is my daughter. My wife worked um, in a hospital, and um, when she and she worked as um, as a hematologist, testing and analysing blood, and she once had to test a sample. And, and on the notes, it was um, query anorexia um, and, and the child was seven years old. And um, I just think that, you know, um, we, I, I get a bit emotional thinking about it. Sorry, but that was that was a story from the 90s. And I just think now with the rise of social media and there's many positives of social media, there really are. But the whole pressure that's on children, um, the whole comparison game that they keep on playing and they're never going to win. Um, you know, we just need to give children tools for life and skills for life, really, and, and to help them realise they're okay, full stop. Not you're okay if you look a certain way or you have a number of followers and not you're okay if you're really amazing at school. But we start from a position of you're okay. You're okay. We're going to build on that and equip you for life, but you're okay. And, and, and I think we all need to be reminded of that sometimes because I think we, we sometimes live in a world that's telling us we're not okay uh, unless we buy certain products or we experience a particular experience. And I think that's not always helpful for anybody, whatever their age. I think that's phenomenal, Paul. Our children are our future. And as a dad of a six and a four-year-old, I'm glad that there are people like you pioneering um, and leading from the front on that. So um, yeah, my gratitude to you for, uh, on a personal level. Thank you. Um, Paul, it's been um, a fantastic, uh, just over half an hour chat with you. you uh, your audio matches your video. You are as, every bit as inspirational um, as you appear. Um, how do people reach out to you? How do people contact you? Sure. I mean, the best way, obviously, is, is to check out my website, um, thesumoguy.com. You can find out more information. I've also got a YouTube channel, which you can get via there. If you're on social media, um, <clears throat> my tweet is uh, handle is at thesumoguy. And if you're on Instagram, um, it's at the sumo guy there as well. So if you remember the sumo guy, you're going to find me one way or another. <laughs> and my advice to everybody is go um, download the book, buy the book. Um, it is absolutely fantastic. There's loads of brilliant, brilliant lessons there. Um, Paul, you're an inspirational gentleman. Um, I'm so 
pleased that our paths has crossed um, via Rick Rushton and, and Voices of AU. And again, you know, for people um, not listening to it, um, go to Voices of AU. It comes out every Tuesday. I'm sure the next one's out today. Um, exceptional. Rick interviews loads of fantastic guests um, and is a great, great guy. Um, I'd, I'd endorse that, Stephen, as well. I, I've subscribed to it, and it's been part of that me feeding myself on my own mental diet. So, yeah, very highly recommend it as well. And I'm not from the world of, um, you know, estate agency or real estate, and I found it invaluable. Fantastic. So, thank you once again. Um, I know Luke, Andy, and I are incredibly grateful um, for your time this morning. Um, thank you. You you are an inspiration. Um, well, not only to us, but obviously to, you know, the foundation and the kids and, you know, all the people, I think, around the world, um, what you're doing. So you're making a massive difference. So thank you very much. And Appreciate that. Thank you. And Andy? Yeah, so key takeaways for me, um, people are irrational and people are emotional. That, that was a key takeaway. Um, on a personal level, Paul, uh, put your oxygen mask on first. Um, put your own oxygen mask on first. Um, Luke, your, your key takeaway from this morning. So uh, definitely, and, and it's one about the whole priming yourself and putting you into that right state of mind. Because again, if you, success leads clues, and that's one of my favorite phrases in, in that you look at a, a high performance athlete, you look at a football player, they don't just rock up um, and run a hundred meter race. They don't just turn up and kick a ball around. They, they are training, they're practicing. When they get to a game, they're not turning up at quarter to three on a Saturday afternoon. They're turning up at 12 o'clock, their diet's right. So again, the same's only in our industry. If we have a poor diet, it's gonna reflect in our performance. If we don't get enough sleep, it's gonna reflect in our performance. If we don't consume the, the right, liquids if we consume the wrong liquids or too much of the wrong liquids or the wrong substances or um we we don't listen to the the right the right things so again john mcgrath talks about he doesn't turn on the news because he doesn't want the negative thoughts that are constantly in the news to affect his thought thought process and thought trail um and again it comes back to that success leaves clues. So John McGraw, one of the world's renowned real estate agents, highly successful, massive, great business over here in Australia. You look at, at Usain Bolt, um, every, everyone else that we admire, and they, they, it's not by chance that their success is not driven by chance. So that that's the, the, the reinforcement and the endorsement of getting your mind and taking that time at the beginning of each day to put it into that peak state where you are then going to be able to take in every challenge of that day on. Perhaps the biggest takeaway is that it's okay to have those hippo moments as well. And I think we all need to realize it's not 100%, 100% of the time. We're not always going to have that massive, massive turnover office. There are going to be dire months um, where you haven't exchanged on anything until the 21st of the month and, and you're wondering where the income is going to come from. But it's how you, uh, how you permit yourself and I think that's the important thing, Paul, you know, giving yourself permission to feel like that, but also um, having a route and a path out of it. 100% totally agree. Um, you've, you've, all the stuff that you talked about as takeaways, you know, it, it, it's crucial. And um, we just need to, often we don't need to learn new stuff. We need to be reminded of stuff we already know. And I'm sure a lot of what I talk about is just a reminder, but you've got to keep on sharpening that saw. 
and getting out there on a daily basis, as Zig Ziglar said, motivation is a bit like having a wash. You've got to do it more than once to get the full benefit. And uh, we've got to keep on doing this on a daily basis, just like Luke was saying earlier. Yeah. Fantastic. Paul, thanks ever so much for your time. You have a fantastic day. Um, and you as well, guys. Our listeners will as a result of listening to this. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you Thank very much. Thank Cheers. you.